Elephant Out of the Room, featuring your host Alex Lewis and the wonderful Charlie Hilton. I was going to go into more adjectives then, but <laughs> you interrupted me, it's fine. <laughs> the wonderful Charlie, Charlie Hilton. So, as you can see from the title, it's another episode of Topic Box, and it's Charlie's first. Yeah, I've no idea what it is, you, you haven't said anything, so this is a surprise to me. Lovely, okay, so it, Topic Box, I won't go too much into it, it originated near the start of the podcast, it's been adapted slightly so that we cover completely randomly generated topics and maybe have five to ten minutes to discuss each one. Right. So it's quite interesting, there's been topics that I've never considered before that we've then spoken about and it's brought up new ideas and it's generally just quite interesting. So I don't think there's much more to explain, I think it's best to just throw yourself into it see where the topics take us how does that sound that's good have you got the categories with you now then so it's generated on a website oh, okay and i see it exactly the same time as you right okay cool uh one more thing we should probably take turns okay who starts okay the topic the first topic today mr charlie hilton is what is the most comfortable piece of clothing you own wow um, I would have to say it would be my hoodie fleece, which is, you know, that one which is um cream and it's made of like wool all inside. It's not real wool, but it's like <laughs> synthetic and it's like the same material on the inside and outside. Do you know the one I mean? Yeah. Um, great number. Yeah. <laughs> is it? No, it's lovely, yeah. It looks very cosy. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you what, is the one, actually, which I'm wearing, if you, in this post where you do it or whatever, there's the one with the picture of me and you. That one, it's got a hood and it's cream and everything. I really, really like that. So how important is comfortableness in deciding what you're going to buy or wear? Um, I de- think it depends on what you're buying it for. If I'm buying it for just a one-night thing, I don't really care. Like, if it's for, like, an Otley run or like a wedding or something like that I don't really mind but generally it's a massive feature for me but I wear really baggy clothes like you know I wear baggy trousers and um, oversized shirts and fleeces so it's never really a problem for me because it's never really snug so I'm I'm always kind of comfortable what about you? Well firstly I think I've been guilty in the past when certain fashion trends have come along for example skinny jeans yeah when I was maybe late teens, I was wearing black skinny jeans all the time and it was so uncomfortable. Every five minutes trying to adjust, oh, it's just so tight on the legs. It was really cold in the winter. It didn't make sense. It just didn't add up. And all all of that was just for fashion to kind of adhere to the newest trend, despite the fact that the rest of my outfit probably wasn't that trendy. But now, more recently, in the last couple of years, as you, as similar to you, I focused on comfort. So just buying baggy t-shirts, baggy trousers, um, not really focusing on brands and returning items that might be a little too tight or, or not yeah, nice. I think shoes would probably be the only exception where you, it is basically purely based on comfort. Obviously, there are some aesthetics, but if shoes are really uncomfortable, then I would never, ever get them. Even if it's like for just one day, I don't think I'd ever get them. Definitely. I think it's, yeah, I think it's important to make the choice on what to buy based on comfort and then maybe other things like how it looks and price comes into that at some point as well. Yeah. 
but we think we've discussed clothing quite a lot it's not it's not something on the top of our agendas um there's two sides to this coin i think there's one side where i have a few friends i won't name them where they wear and they wear anything they happy happy to go out in whatever clothes they pick up from the wardrobe they might buy a, a few branded clothes but generally speaking they're just very happy to go out in what they've got and then i've got other friends that i think they feel that it's fashion or what they wear is uh, one of the best ways to say this is who i am so when you're meeting people when you see strangers just through daily life people judge you based on your appearance and if you're wearing the clothes that perfectly fit how you want to display your persona and, and personality then that ticks all the boxes and, and people really you know really make an effort in trying to compose that their style uh in order to do that i'm i'm in the middle i agree with both sides i love the freedom of wearing what, what you know whatever you want even if it's a bit come on mate on the other hand i do like the idea of you know really compiling together your fashion and your choice where where do you stand on that um well i think university is a great place for um apparel diversity i mean if you look round, like everyone's wearing different stuff and i feel like it's a place where you can express yourself and wear whatever you like and people don't really judge you and i think in previous educational stages people judge you a lot more so i think it's kind of a it's more of a conscious thing so you can think oh i, I can wear this because i can but also think oh i don't mind if i wear this because no one's gonna judge me as much because everyone's wearing weird stuff this is happens for me back at home it seems to be basically leads in and i'm sure other university campuses or even cities where universities are quite prominent they seem to be more free and open um, and similar to what you said, there's so many different styles of clothing and, and people don't really l look, they, you know, they don't particularly judge. Whereas at home in Kent, for example, I've noticed that a lot of people do tend to dress the same. And whether that's Ralph Lauren polos or Hugo Boss or jeans. And it's it seems to be a more kind of set look, um, especially when you go out to a club or a bar, it's it's shirts jeans and smart shoes and i feel like you'd maybe get judged a bit more if you wore something that was slightly out of the ordinary is that similar to how you compare leads to maybe your home as well yeah i think um it was only a few days ago that i was in the supermarket and i was wearing what i usually wear which is quite individual in some ways because there's not many people i know who really dress like me but they, I got some stares from some youths, you know what I mean, like maybe 12, 13-year-olds, <laughs> and they're looking at me and they're thinking, why is he wearing that, yeah. you know? But then I come here and I've got a oversized T-shirt, which is tucked in. And I think at that point, I went similar to what I'm wearing now, baggy cords, oversized tucked in, belt, and then probably a retro fleece, which looks like it's from like 15 different chad shops. And not many people dress like that where I'm from. And even here, like even sitting in lectures, I look around, I do think I'm one of maybe two, including you, who actually took our shirts in or T-shirts in. Um, so, yeah, I think back there there's a bit more judgment because um, here everyone can wear what they like and no one it's cares. It's nice. It's a really good environment. Yeah, it is nice. And it's the same with, with makeup or hair or anything. Like people just think, right, we're all here for the same reason we all got into the uni for the same reason especially in music i think music is probably the most prominent because there's so many different styles so many wacky clothes that people wear and it's great yeah very creative good start 
If you could learn the answer to one question about your future, what would the question be? I hate that. I hate those types <laughs> of questions. Because um, okay, so I'll start off with a cliche. Um, part of me doesn't want to know anything because I feel like if I know something amazing is going to happen, I'll start slacking now. Um, and I feel like if I know nothing will happen good, then I will just give up now. So I feel like I just want to live it without knowing anything. But also, it would be great to know a few answers, but then you have to think, what question? And I honestly don't know what I would say to that. I mean, some generic ones for me would be, will I ever make a living out of being a musician? That would be a really good one. And I think maybe I would stick with that. I don't want to go too deep into it, like how many kids am I going to have? Or who am I going to marry? When am I going to die? Um, but yeah, I think I would go with, am I going to make a full-time career out of doing what I love, which is music? I love your point at the start, though. I think that if you were to find out the answer to any question that you'd ask, it would just it would just somehow turn negative. As you said, you either find out that you're, you become extremely successful and then you maybe you live your life differently and you don't end up being successful or vice versa and you live your life differently and you end up being successful even though you are you were told that you wouldn't make it so it yeah i don't see many good things come out of knowing certain things about your future particularly the old age question do you know when you want to die when you're going to die do you know how you're going to die it's it would be awful to know that um it i've even thought do you know what why don't i ask Will I die in the next 44 years? Um, so I'll be over 60, nearly 70. And I don't want to know... I don't even want to know the answer to that because what if it's yes? Then I'll be like, well, what if I die? I could die like 71. I don't know. You know what I mean? You just... Any question that you ask will just bring up more questions that won't be able to get answered. Yeah, and I think if you asked, will I die in the next 44 years, that could be tomorrow. If they said yes. Yeah. yeah. If they said yes, that could be tomorrow. So it's, it's a horrible thing because, like you said, it just opens more questions. So um, will I die of, like, let's say, will I die of cancer? And they go, yes. But you can have three different types of cancer in your life. So you go, is this the cancer that's going to kill me? Or is this, oh, my God, is this this? And you get so paranoid and it's horrible. Do you know what I mean? I feel like part of living is that you're ignorant to that. And I think in that sense, ignorance is bliss. And I love it. Yeah. And um, there are a few things I'd like to have answers to but it wouldn't be about myself it would be about other people yeah i'd like yeah you'd like to see you'd like to ask questions about the, the current state of affairs in in 30 years you know you'd like to get an understanding of how climate how the change in climate has affected people uh, displacement or rising sea levels all those questions like that or you could ask how is how is migration affected places places going to look very different how is wealth in in um third world countries how have they Im improved increased something like mm. that it's yeah you could ask so many questions i think if i had to answer this particular one i'd probably like to know if i am successful and what i mean by that is if you were to ask the 55 year old version of me have you had a successful life or have you had a life that you're proud of i'd like to know that one Maybe. And a further question, would you share that answer with anyone? Well, I'd possibly, but then they'd, 
probably go, how did you find out the answer? Yeah, but let, let's say that it was a universal truth that you could do that and you could do it once in your life. And you ask the question, will I be successful? And ask the question, will I be a successful musician? And you got an answer. Let's say, for, let's say for both of us, it was no. Would you tell everyone? Probably not. I probably wouldn't say... If it was no, I'd, I probably wouldn't tell anyone because I'm not sure. But if it was yes, I wouldn't tell anyone because it would feel like gloating. I'd feel, oh, look, look at me. I know I'm going to be uh, happy and successful. The thing is, if you tell people no, they'll find out anyway because mm. they'll live with you and they'll go, well, you lied. Do you know what I mean? And then if it's gloating and it turns out that through events it changes, then you'll be waiting for something that doesn't happen. Just like I said with success, if you're told that you're going to be a millionaire when you're older and you slack now, you'll be like, oh, no, it doesn't matter, I'll be a millionaire later. And it turns out that you don't turn into a millionaire because you slack. Very true. Crazy. Talking of crazy, let's roll on to the next topic. What is your middle name? Anthony. Rowan. Should we move on? <laughs> well, what else can you say? I'll, t- I'll tell you what, I could ask you. What's your middle name? Rowan. Mm, Anthony. I think that's probably as much as we could... Why, why do we have a middle name? Um, originally, it would be to distinguish you from your dad, because, especially as a guy, you'd be named the same as your dad, so you'd be able to distinguish that factor. Um, I have the same middle name as my dad. Um, and I don't know why that is. I think it, I, I quite like Anthony. Um, Rowan is that like Rowan is in like Rowan Atkinson or Rowan is in like Lord of the Rings Rohan. Rowan is in Rowan Atkinson, so it's Alexander Rowan Lewis. See, I'm Charles Anthony Hilton. We've both got quite regal names. What does that say about us? That we're absolute fucking dicks. Uh, <laughs> Legends. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think. It's interesting when you start to get to know someone or particularly if you start dating someone, the middle name is something you always do cover and you kind of go, oh, that's your middle name. And then it's not really much that's said. Uh, I don't know how it's necessarily chosen. I think Rowan was chosen for me because my mum couldn't decide between naming me Rowan or Alexander. So she just stuck Rowan after. But I know a lot of the time your middle name is based on a, a elder Older family member. Yeah. Yeah, my uh, my girlfriend's got two middle names. She's Ophelia Cosima. Wow. Well, that's impressive. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty decent, that is. But I feel like if you've got a middle name, it's either got to be a generic one so people don't question it, or it's got to be absolutely unbelievable. Like, people go, oh, that's a really cool um, middle name. It, again, I haven't really thought much about middle name. It's always been there in existence it's important to question things in existence, but with a middle name, I think we can we can put that for now and just say, you know, everyone's happy to, to keep that in place. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I like that. That was short and sweet. Where is the most awe-inspiring place you have been? I'd have to give a few answers for this. Uh, I think one of them will be abroad and one of them will be here. Abroad, I've been, so I've been on quite a few music tours and when I play a gig in a certain venue and that venue is beautiful and I just look out and I'm playing music and I just think this is like where I want to be. So I played in um, Cologne, for example, would be a great example, or Copenhagen, when I'm just sitting there and I'm looking around and it's a foreign place, but it's beautiful, lovely old buildings and I'm playing music. I'm like, this is 
like like you said it's just this is the place but also here when i went to um royal abbott hall for the first time blown away by it and i was like oh my god this is it's so gigantic and it's really decorative and um everything looks expensive and well designed so i think that would be another place for me that's a difficult question i think if you gave me more time i'd be able to think of very specific examples but those ones spring to mind i think it's more how old you were as well because you can go to the same place twice at different ages and they don't mean the same thing um because you might be too young or too old or whatever and you've chosen these places it seems based on not necessarily the look of it but everything encapsulates it so royal albert hall it's not just a hall but it's a hall where obviously music is performed and that kind of adds to it whereas if it was just the whole you know without these added things that you like it wouldn't be quite the same so you've approached the question a bit differently to to the way i've thought about it which is interesting because as i said you've used the, the timing of the of the visit and what you did in that place as well i think the first couple of things that sprung to mind for me one of the first things is snow mount snowden um i haven't really i do like going on I wouldn't necessarily call it a mountain. You know, people take the piss out of you and you say, oh, I've been up a mountain. Where about Mount Snowden? Oh, okay. <laughs> That's just a big hill. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, uh, I've climbed it a couple of times and it's it's just a really, oh, it's just so nice. Fantastic experience to see some really nice views. And But again, that encapsulates not just Mount Snowden, but the feeling of achievement, the, the whole process of camping beforehand, climbing up, etc., um, I haven't been to many places outside of Europe, but I, as I always say, Uganda was just an e- extreme experience, and that's—I'd say—that's awe-inspiring in that it's completely different way of life for pretty much everyone I met, and it's incredible to see another society, another country, another set of people have different values and different ways of going about life and what's important to them. Obviously, you find similarities. People still like to go into the pub. You know, people still like playing pool uh, in in Uganda, in in the village that I went to. And people still had phones, smartphones. They're still playing games on those phones, interacting on social media. So there are similarities in the in the ways of life. But just to see the different processes was very awe inspiring. I mm. think. I think if I was to do a point similar to yours, it would be. Um, when I went to Crete, I went into the mountains, these massive mountains, and they were proper mountains. It was just silent, and I was looking around, and I was probably like 2,000 feet in the air at this um, cafe, just having a coffee, and I was looking around, and I couldn't hear any cars or any talking. Um, Birds weren't there. You know, it's too high for them. They don't really go there. I couldn't hear the sea. I couldn't hear anything. I was just like, we're so isolated, but it's massive, these massive things, and... I know, obviously, they can't speak to me and stuff, but I had so much respect for the mountains. I don't know why. I feel like they've been there for so long. They're going to be there for a while, and just all the stuff that they've seen, and I feel like I I just respected them, and I felt like I was on their land. I know that sounds really weird and spiritual, which is very much not like me, but I just was like, wow, I feel really privileged to be here. That's cool. I think it shows that, yeah, awe-inspiring for me reflects on nature. So it reflects on the the beauty of non of not man made things. So yeah, the the natural world, mountains or seas when you're looking over a sea. And I like the 
idea of how vast and how big things are because you very much go about your day particularly if you spend it at home or even being in Leeds you don't really come across anything that's I can't think of the exact word but that's big or necessarily blows you away in terms of everything's a similar size and when you go to places particularly that are abroad and when you see mountains or when you see how vast the sea is when you can't see the edge of it it is quite overwhelming particularly if you don't do it that often so I think I like that idea of yeah being inspired just kind of overwhelmed by the silence of of nature as well which season are you most active in judging by that I mean that you know the four main seasons where, where, when are you most active active meaning what I'd probably suggest active in a sense of fitness active going out and running going to the gym active in that sense um well i don't think there's really any consistency with that because it's a weird one it it changes all the time i mean i think when i first started going to the gym and doing a lot of sport and things like that it was in preparation for summer when i knew i'd have my top off abroad so i'd have like a goal for that so you could kind of say end of winter and spring but then covid obviously came and all gyms closed for ages and that's a difficult thing so i think if it was in 2021 i'd probably say um what would be with you so autumn and winter so probably more autumn because obviously we went home and stuff like that so i'd say autumn but i don't really know that that's a weird question i didn't know what you meant when you said active (laughs) Um, but yeah, in terms of exercise and everything, I think it changes. I can't really put one on there. Last year is probably autumn, but most of the time it was prepping for, um, after, like after Christmas when you're like probably not in the best shape, like I'm now, for example, and then thinking, well, I'm going to set myself a goal for summer. So it's kind of like end of winter and then springtime. Yeah, you're right. The, the seasons are so different firstly every year, but how you think about how you work out and exercise in the seasons because you'd assume just off the top of your head that summer you'd be most active because there are outdoor sports that you tend to do more like tennis, table tennis or football. But at the same time, I do get put off running quite a bit during the summer uh, because after a certain time, it's just, it's just a bit too hot and you warm up so quickly when you're running. And I don't, I wouldn't go to the gym in the summer necessarily either because I think why, why work out, indoors in a gym when I can do outdoors so I've never really been to the gym in the summer so conversely I'd say the upcoming months January to March or January to April even are the times when you probably will probably go to the gym the most because it's a new year it's a new start and it's there's not too much else to do in the first few months of the year in terms of going away and then also I'd add that running I quite like running when it's fairly cold. Obviously, there there is that if it's minus three, you get put off of even leaving the house. But once you've left in fairly cold conditions, as I said, your body warms up so quickly. And within a mile, T-shirt and shorts, but within a mile, I'm sweating. So, yeah, it's a, it's a weird one to try and pick a particular season. But I don't think it's as obvious as you think, oh, summer, I'm outdoors more because there are, you know, different behaviours, different attitudes you can have towards it. If anything, I slack in summer because I've kind of had the journey for six months and I'm there and I'm just enjoying how I look, as vain as that sounds. Um, Like one of the first times I did it was I 
when I was younger, I was very self-conscious about taking my top off, especially abroad, and I never really did it. And even on the beach, I'd have a T-shirt on. And um, when I went to Crete, actually, a few years ago with my girlfriend, I thought, this is going to be the first holiday, and I was 19 at that point or whatever, and this is going to be the first holiday where I actually I'm going to try and look the best I can. And for that, uh, so it was in September we went, for, so for those nine months, I was going to the gym, I was doing loads of exercise, all, all outside and inside. And I was working to that goal. But that goal was such a random time. It was just September because of holiday. That could have been in February or wherever. So I don't think the seasons influence me. I don't think, oh, it's February, I'm not going to do it. I feel like it's just the random dates that happen, you, you do more things. So one of my resolutions this year is to enter a golf competition. And I want to do that. And that won't depend on the season. That will just be when I'm ready and when I want to do it. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of a weird question in that sense. I feel like if you if were a full-time fitness influencer or something like that, there'd be a time because there's like maybe competitions at the end of the year or something to do with summer. But for us, I don't know. I, I think it's pretty equally dispersed. With regards to seasons, and particularly in the UK, how much do we, or does one go about their yearly plans or go about their lives dependent on the weather? Uh, well, one of the reasons why I like UK weather a lot of the time is because we're incredibly seasonal. And when it's summer, generally speaking, it's hot. When it's winter, it's cold. Um, and we do have quite a, a seasonal climate. And I think that influences our... Um, choice with loads of things like for example we go on holiday abroad and it's everyone goes on holiday within a certain window even if it's hot here and I feel like that's a decision because like oh that's the weather it's going to be hot then oh um, let's do this this activity in the winter because it was going to be cold I feel like with other countries that have like for example places in America like Florida not very seasonal place like Chicago which is quite central was very seasonal so I feel like people even living in the same country will kind of have their life differently depending on the weather. And I think here we're quite lucky because we do get hot and cold. Um, I think it does influence us. And I think, like, we have these tropes of, like, yeah, like holiday, we go in July or August or June. And we don't really go abroad in December to a hot country. So I think it does influence us a little bit. Um, but for students, it I don't think it really does because we've got so much time to do like our course and we've got all this stuff so i think yeah if if money was was no object and we could just do whatever we wanted then i feel like yeah we just would live by the seasons and we go right we're going on we're going to portugal in june then when we go we're going to go to switzerland in december or something like that yeah we definitely we definitely have a quite good i know the typical thing is to complain about British weather and in a way I can understand that because there are m many other places that remain hotter and sunnier than the UK so but at the same token I think that it's nice to have those distinctive times for example when it's snowing or not snowing but when it's really cold during winter and to have that three or four months where it's consistently quite hot the only negative that I find in that in, the, in our years is is that between November and February or March, I think it's just a little too dark for a majority of people. And when I say that, I mean 
I mean, everyone knows this, but we always go out to work Monday to Friday between the hours of nine to five, which is the only light hours in those months. And if you don't, if you have lunch in the office or if you're working from home, I just think that can take a really negative toll on you because sunlight or just some light in the day, <laughs> sunlight or something in the day is so important to just general health or over, overall mood. If you think how, when, when we've walked to campus today and it's been nice and sunny, I think it just puts you that that bit better. So that would be my main worry about British weather is that is those darkness periods. Is that weather? Yeah. Do you, do you say the the seasonal times of darkness? Bearing in mind, it's not something we can change, and it happens in every country. Oh, um, it might it might be seen as climate then, or what, what's the word I'm missing? I don't know. It's nothing to do with with temperature i don't know but that that is an interesting point but that is something that every country has i don't think that's individual to england if you go to anywhere in europe it will be they'll have a a winter period where it's darker and then a summer period i mean it might be flipped like with australia might be flipped over so they've got like christmas day on the beach but like i don't know i don't know if that's something that i really mind too much um but maybe yeah i mean i feel like when you go to school, it's dark. You come back from school, it's dark. I mean, that's not ideal. No. Um, but, yeah, that's interesting. I don't know if that counts as weather because it's just light. I don't yeah. know what that is. I don't know what that is. It's a good point. Something to, to research after, something to consider. Mm. Where is the worst place you have been stuck for a long time? Probably when I did my first podcast with you. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, I knew something was coming like that. That really hurt. <laughs> um, where I've been stuck. Is it? Is this an, a negative question? Like, you didn't want to be stuck there? Yeah, where's the worst place? Yeah, the worst place. Um, God, that's difficult. Uh, have you got one that comes to mind straight away? Because I haven't. Oh, it's very hard, but... What springs to mind is obviously I've spent a lot of year work, work spent a lot of years working in an office, so I can think of training sessions that were just horrible, and you felt stuck, and almost you could use that analogy for when you're unhappy in a job, but you need the money, you feel stuck, and you're in a bad place. But in terms of, you think of the typical trope of getting stuck in a in a lift for hours, but I haven't really experienced anything like that i mean conversely uh, i've been stuck outside my house for a few hours where i haven't got the key and i've had to wait for someone to get home that's probably about two or three hours but it's not the end of the world have you got anything no, similar? No, it's difficult. I'm trying to think of something like we're on a Ferris wheel or something. You get stuck at the top and there's, there's like maintenance happening. I nothing really springs out. I mean, yeah, th things like, I mean, even at school when you don't want to be there. I mean, that was, you know, dreadful. You're just stuck there and you can't go home. Um, or if you're at like a grandparent's house who's like really boring or... Um, <laughs> if, you, if you're made to go to church at school and you're not religious and you're just sat there listening to it all, you're going, oh, what is all this and everything. But no, I can't think of anything traumatic necessarily. <laughs> um, well, but that, that's yet to go. Maybe that should be the question that I ask. Yeah. If I get a question, will I be stuck somewhere really bad? Yeah. That's what I'll ask. And you can find out. You can just avoid anywhere where you could potentially be stuck <laughs> yeah. your whole life. Um, I think that cars are very claustrophobic at times and particularly on the motorway. And that makes me think of a couple of things recently, obviously, when the 
I can't remember the name of the group. It's just completely gone up my head. But uh, when they were gluing their hands to the motorways and so oh, people yeah. were in a long amount of traffic, or conversely, in China or somewhere in somewhere in Asia, I know that's very broad. But there's they set the world record for the longest traffic jam. I think it lasted. I think it was probably in Beijing. It, it lasted between four or five days, and that was for a, a number of reasons. But obviously, pretty much everyone had to leave their car in that fixed position in just in the middle of the road and uh i know that we've had quite a few bad traffic jams in the uk fortunately i've only been been stacking one that's lasted an hour and a half but even so like people jumping out their cars and just saw a guy just reading his newspaper in the car or a book but you know i mean it's that feeling where you're literally stuck in that place and a motorway is not a very lovely place to be stuck in really Mm. I mean, I feel like even when we came up here the other day, like, that was... I mean, I, I like being in a car. And, and funnily enough, you actually um, asked me the question of how much money would it take for you to do the same journey again. <laughs> and yours is actually quite a bit lower than mine. But I think that's different because when you're a passenger, you do feel different to when you're a driver. Because at least when you're driving, you're actually doing something. If you're a passenger, like, let's say in a coach, school trip. Oh, yeah. I've done that. Like I said, when I go on tour, like, it's like a 16-hour coach journey. And I'm stuck in the mm. back. I can't leave my seat. Can't go out because it's moving. Can't drive because I'm not old enough at that point. So it's like, oh my God, this is horrible. Yeah, definitely transport places are particularly particularly bad. So we'll move through to our last topic of the episode. I like this. Good place to finish up. We're both music students. What was the last song that you listened to? Get my phone and have a look. I can tell you mine while well, while you're doing that. I probably heard it. Yeah, you were there. It was uh, the Rolling Stones' I Can't Get No Satisfaction. Oh, of course, yeah. My last one was um, I Know Corita by Quincy Jones. How does that go? I know Corita, that's where I am. Um, that's a, but that's weird because I actually showed you that the other day. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, that was um, that was the last song I listened to on Spotify. Spotify, as we come to a close, I've been thinking about Spotify quite a bit because talking about being stuck, I feel that you can get easily stuck in the particular Spotify layout. What I mean by that is when you go onto the app, you go onto your profile, for example, and you've got your playlist or your artists or your album saved on there. But sometimes... You, you know, you don't scroll down all the way to the bottom where the people, the artists or playlist that you created ages ago, you haven't seen or accessed in a while. So I could go a long time without listening to indie music because it's towards the bottom. So I try and, I'm trying to think of different ways to, A, change, keep changing the layout to, in order to get mu different music at the top, and then B, change the way the playlists are created. So have obviously have, for example, an indie playlist. But if there's something that's by arts and monkeys maybe something that's quite heavy by them that could also debatably go in rock got a separate playlist which is kind of rocky and then also that could go in maybe a happy or not a chill play but a happy playlist as well so i'm thinking maybe you could have a lot of different songs in different baskets you know in different playlists do you ever consider how you lay out your music and how you engage with it when i first got spotify i was very playlist based 
um, which was really bad, and I don't like that now. Um, in the last kind of three years, or three or four years, I've really focused on listening to albums in full from top to bottom, and also just searching random tunes like that um, I Know Corrida, although I've listened to that album. Um, that was a song that I just searched. It wasn't on a playlist, so a lot of the time I just searched, oh, well, I haven't heard that song in a while. I'm not one of those people who just sticks on a playlist and just listens to it, um, unless it's maybe a classical playlist. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, really. I uh, Half of it is playlists I've made from a while ago, and the other half of it is um, either listening to albums in their entirety or just searching random songs. Okay. For, like, if I get it up now, the songs that I listened to before, so, like, um, Ain't No Sunshine, Bill Withers... Um, there's some Boccherini, there's some Mozart, um, Groundhog Day, um, Rachmaninoff, Paul McCartney. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'll edit that out. Um, Paul Anker, um, Bruno Mars. I've actually searched individual songs. These are me just searching in. So I put, oh, Chunky, Bruno Mars. I put it in. I thought, oh, I'd like to listen to that. I don't often just whack on a playlist for like four hours and just listen to it. Because I also find that if I like a song, I'll go, oh, what was it? What was it? And I have to spend ages trying to find like what it was. Yeah. Especially if it's on shuffle because it's not in order. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know really. I just kind of, I'm very used to the layout now and I just kind of just use it as I please. I don't really put it on and just go, I'm just going to whack on a playlist. A yeah. random playlist. It's usually one that I've made, which is quite self-indulgent. Nice. But yeah, stay like that. Be self-indulgent. Sure choice. Sure music. Cheers, Spotify. Cheers, mate. Means a lot coming from someone who's amazing as you. Thank you. No worries. And it's our episode that we're wrapping up, Spotify wrapping up. But it's been a pleasure to have you on Toppy Box. How have you found it? Yeah, it's been good. It's made me think on my toes a bit. Like I'm going, oh God, what's he going to ask me next? And (laughs) all I see is your facial expression before before you read it out. Just reacting to the question. How often do you get a bad question? There's been a few... Th- this episode's been the worst for questions. I think that it's been disappointing. But it's got us talking about certain things. It got me thinking. But there are, generally speaking, very good questions that pop out because they don't... You don't necessarily think about them just through daily life. And this is something that I'd like to use more in daily life. Is just that when you particularly... Again, it's always when you meet someone, it, it just feels very a bit simple and a, and a bit even dull at times when you ask them the same questions because you're asking them and you don't really want to hear and they don't really want to tell you because, oh, what do you do, you know? So I think it's a bit more exciting to, to mix it up with questions and this kind of topic box format can get you thinking about certain things. Now, I'm not talking going up to a stranger and going, oh, uh, do you read fast or slow, <laughs> you know? But it's the idea that you can cover the... the absolute basics and then made me move on to something a bit more interesting it's really difficult to do i'm I'm terrible at it i i stick to the basics all the time but i'd love to be able to just have that confidence or to just say something a bit more out, out the box how personal do the questions get on here is it not that personal it doesn't tend to be that personal no um i mean one of the questions before was do you believe in in love at first sight so me and sam had to rack our brains at previous moments that we've had um but no it doesn't tend to be too personal mm, that's interesting because i think also questions depend on how well you know the person mm. i feel like you're not going to ask someone really personal questions the first time you meet them but then you probably will do 
later on in the relationship or whatever. Exactly. So the, the, uh, having said that, a lot of these questions I wouldn't just ask people because <laughs> you'd seem a bit mentally ill. Exactly. <laughs> it's about finding that balance between being kind of, oh, that guy's a bit, you know, exciting, quirky. I wouldn't mind chatting to him again. Um, to, what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Fantastic. Thanks for joining again. Mr. Charlie Hilton. Yeah, no worries. It's been a pleasure. I do love the Topic Box episodes, but we're going to be doing some more music-based ones and possibly some debate-style ones with uh, Mr. Ben Frampton. Lovely. Up. Thank you very much. Click, click, click. <laughs>